Give us some men who know the truth. And who will declare the truth. And who will stand with Athanasius and Polycarp and Calvin and Luther and Whitfield and Edwards. And who will declare from the housetops that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. I'm serious. forget about you i promise the audacity lou has a life <laughs> oh my it's all it's, it's all lou's fault it's miserable but i have one <laughs> something's better than nothing right or is that nothing from nothing leaves nothing <laughs> that's funny that was my dad's famous saying <laughs> as he was lecturing us <laughs> you gotta have something sorry <laughs> all right so yeah we are back and we are i'm warning you right now I almost don't know how to tackle this. It is so bizarre and so rambling. So we are going to attempt, and that starting point with that is, well, okay, just in case you've forgotten because it's been so long. I'm over here. Lou's over there. Hey there. And we're here to tell you that um, we don't need a new way of doing anything Christian. (laughs) 
you know, I mean, every time I turn around, it's a new way to do church, a new way to read your Bible, a new way to be Christian, a new way. I don't need a new way. I don't want a new way. I want the old way, okay? I want to I want to lean on my Bible, and I want to follow Jesus, and I want you people to stop trying to come up with new ways, you idiots. <laughs> oh, my. Yeah, well. <laughs> Tell me how you really feel. Yeah. This, this, <laughs> how do you really feel about this? This is what happens when we miss a couple of weeks, is all the stuff I would have said to get it out of my system is now still there. It's <laughs> pent up. It's yeah. been there for two weeks. So I try not to think about it. I genuinely do, because like if I ever have like two weeks to prep a sermon, I won't take two weeks to prep a sermon. It's a, it's a disaster, because I'm done by the end of the first week, and then the whole next week is like... That's kind of how I feel. Ideas in my head, ideas in my head, get them out, get them out, get them out. Okay, here we go. I have 27 hours of sermon material for you today. <laughs> and everybody's oh like, goodness, yeah. we didn't pack lunch. So I try not to think about these things too much in advance, but sometimes that's good, sometimes that's bad. So turn in your Bibles, children, to Matthew chapter 16. We are going to lay a foundation, and then we will ramble into the weeds of this topic. <laughs> So, Matthew chapter 16, starting at verse 13. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? This is a good question. Wants to kind of get the temperature of the room. What you hearing? Are people getting this message? Notice already, though, he's using the eschatological terminology for himself. Who is this Son of Man? Mm -hmm. So He's trying to point out, who do they say the Messiah is? He's trying to point them, who is Jesus? Jesus is this promised one. He's trying to see if the crowds, the people that are around, are getting the point. Right. All right. They said, that's the disciples, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. So, short answer, they're not getting it. They're not getting it. Mm-hmm. And this is, this is going to tie into what we're going to do later on. This is one of humanity's big problems. It's like, can't reach my water. There are many, 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 many times we are incapable of seeing past our own noses. We become prisoners of the moment. We try to interpret scripture based on the world around us. We try to interpret our Christian walk based on the world around us rather than the other way around. So what we would like you to do is to understand your Bible. Oh, somebody's playing music in the other room. I'm like, what's Sorry. vibrating? <laughs> right. So what we would like you to do is understand your Bible. And then as you encounter the world, see the world through the lens of Scripture. And let that inform you how you then interact with the world. What you intake, what you reject, what you approve, what you reject, all of those things. What ends up happening too often is we live in the world. And then we come back to our Bible to understand God, but we read it through the lens of our daily lives. Yeah, we're starting with ourselves first. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. that's one that's terrible hermeneutics. Yeah. Don't do that. Yeah. But two, that begins to color things because you are starting with you and trying to understand God and his commands for your world. Every time you do that, there be train wrecks, okay? Can't work that way. You're seeing that in Matthew 16. Well, it's one of the prophets. It's Elijah. It's, it's John the Baptist, back from the dead. Right. I mean, yeah. they are immediately trying to understand the promises of ages past in light of what has gone on in the recent past. It's almost like reading Revelation with the newspaper in your hand. It's never going to end well. Never in a little. Never in a million years. That's honestly what's, what came to my mind. You know, you're reading the Bible... In one hand, and in the other hand, you've got the newspaper, and you're trying to see what's lining up, and who, 
it's just not going to work out. Is Putin or Biden the, the mark of the beast? I'm confused here. Right. <laughs> Maybe they're both. Huh? The <gasps> beast and the false prophet. Yes, there it is. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you, now, we laugh, but these people exist. And they have existed as long as there have been people. And you're seeing that here. Yeah. Now, Jesus said to them, who do you say that I am? And by the way, Christian, that's always the question for your life. Understand, you've heard us say this a million times, your first ministry is at home, and that ministry must start with you. Mm-hmm. How are you evaluating the world? How are you understanding doctrines? How are you reading scripture? This is one of those dirty little secrets from education. You ready? Teachers can't teach you things they don't know. Right. <laughs> Amazingly enough, if we don't know it ourselves, we can't explain it to you. And if you've ever got somebody who's getting outside of their area of expertise and they're dishonest about it and you know anything about that, you will start to hear the garbage come out. And you're like, that doesn't make sense. Right. Because they're trying to make it sound like they know what they're talking about when in actuality they don't. Rather than just honestly tell you, I'm not sure, but here's how I understand it. And by the way, if you're a teacher or you have children, or you have grandkids, there's there's nothing wrong with that. I was just going to say, that's that's a very honest and open way of tackling something that you're, you may not have all the answers for, and you, you let the people you're talking to know that, hey, look, this is what I see. I'm not too sure about it. We can find out together, yeah, we'll maybe. We'll work this out. But yeah. because I have a foundation in these areas, and, and this is going to happen with you in your Christian walk, because as you learn, you will encounter more, you will engage more, you will recognize that there are areas of Scripture and areas of Christianity that you have not applied to your daily life. And as you encounter those, you will begin applying them. That is going to run you into a roadblock at the next step, because you're going to go farther than you've gone and put yourself in a spot where I'm not sure how to handle this. That's a good thing. It is. Because this is the Holy Spirit stretching you and preparing you and growing you. And now you need to stop and realize, I need to study. I need to prepare. I need to be engaged in this. But this is also how you disciple others. Right. I can't take people to places I've never been. Right. And we, you and I, we probably crack the Bible every single day. And that's a good thing. But I think our average listeners, I wonder how often they actually open the Bible and, and, and how and often I, they study. And I get it. People are fried at work, and Mm -hmm. your kids are fried, and you're out of brain cells. I'm not asking for dissertations here. I'm not asking you to be the next book speaker at the Weird History Channel special they're going to do for Easter. I'm just asking you to put forth a little bit more effort today than you did yesterday, and then tomorrow a little bit more effort than you did today. And when you miss a day, pick up where you left off and keep moving. Remember that the the one foot in front of the other march of Christianity, it's a slog. And some days the slog is harder than others, but we just do what? We just keep moving forward. I agree. Who do you say that I am? So that's right. the question for you. It was the question for them. It's the question for everybody. It's for everybody, yes. <clears throat> Excuse me. Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. That That's a good answer. Oh, yeah. That's a really good answer. See, we look at that and go, well, yeah, that's the church answer. No, no, no. See, that's so much more than the Sunday school answer. That is an answer that encompasses so much baggage historically and theologically that we just don't even think it through in peter's world to say you are the son of the living god was to basically say you are god you are his representative you are his image you are you are him Mm -hmm. to that's one of the reasons read john you'll see this a couple times why are you going to stone him well because you claim to be god's son you claim to be god that's blasphemy Mm -hmm. peter's saying you're proving it 
Hmm. You are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the promised one. You are the seed of the woman. You are the prophet of Moses. You are the king to reign eternal. You right. are the lion of the tribe of Judah. You are the fulfillment of everything. That's Now, Peter may not catch all of that, but he recognizes that by applying that terminology, he is applying some some heady designations to Jesus. Well, that wasn't just his his off-the-cuff response. That was a revelation from God. Well, to, and, yeah, and Jesus is going to make that point. Yeah. But what I'm saying is that's not just Peter going, you're a really swell dude. <laughs> right, right. He, you are talking about, I mean, ages. At this point in human history, you're talking about 1,500 years of written, of written Bible. And Peter's like, you're him. Right. 50, 1,500 years of Old Testament writing, you're that dude. Right. And Jesus rightly recognizes, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah. Don't get hung up. It's literally just son of Jonah. Because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Where did Peter get this great idea? He fell over, hit his head on a rock, and you know, and that was it. No, no, no. This is divine utterance. God opening up his noggin and be like, hey, here's the answer. And then closing up his noggin and letting him speak. Right. <clears throat> I also say to you, this is where it gets fun, that you are Peter. Now, what does Peter mean, children? Stone. Yeah, he's the stone. He's His name means rock, which he's about as stubborn as one, so we'll go with that. <laughs> right. This this is an interesting yeah. passage because a lot of people take it out of context. Yes, and, and we probably we, and and we don't people. really have time to go all into this, but we will we'll delve there a little bit. You are Peter. You are a rock. Mm-hmm. And upon this rock... I will build my church in the gates of Hades, the gates of the grave, the gates of the dead, will not overpower it. Now, that is not saying Peter is the rock. Right. So you're a rock, but upon the rock. What's the rock? It's the statement Peter has just made. The church is built upon what confession? That you are the Christ, the son of the son of the living God. That you are the fulfillment of all that God has promised. You are salvation. You are peace. You are victory over the enemies of God. You are all of those things. That's the Christian. This is the confession that you make. Yeah. He, this, is, this is the air that you breathe and the life that you live. He is also the foundation rock or the rock of stumbling, uh, 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 the rock of offense. There are many things you know, that are talked about in, that, in those terms about Christ. He is the one that... The gates of hell will not prevail again. Yes. Yeah. I will give you the keys of the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. Notice the tensing there. And and I don't mean your your aggravation. All right. Peter does not get to hold the keys. The Pope with his little jingling key set, I hope they open a garage door somewhere because other than that they're useless. Okay? Right. <clears throat> Notice the rundown. What are we building? We're building a church. This is something we've had fun with on Wednesday nights going through the book of Acts, is if you follow the book of Acts, something that I don't think enough people pay attention to. <clears throat> As I get choked on my own words, you saw that, didn't you? Mm-hmm. The, um, the transition in the book of Acts, you move from an apostolic faith mm-hmm. to an ecclesiastical faith in the book of Acts. You move from the apostles doing and the apostles confirming and the apostles sending to the church doing and the church confirming and the church sending. And you do it quickly and you do it subtly. You almost don't realize that we've gone from we got to send an apostle to verify these things to the church is verifying these things. we got to have the apostles sending out these missionaries to the church is sending out missionaries. I mean, who, who, who gave Antioch this kind of authority? Right. 
even from Jerusalem. Who confirmed the work of the church in Antioch? It was Barnabas. It wasn't an apostle. The work has gotten too big. The work was always to be fulfilled by the church. It was based on the apostolic teaching, which will be recorded in the New Testament, but it was always supposed to be a work of Christ as he builds his church. Right. They were sent out. They were sent forth. Yes. It it wasn't the church sent them. Right. Like you're saying. I'm in agreement. Now, whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed. You're not binding and loosing. You're not. I'm sorry, you're not. I know it. This is one of those places where a lot of people take that. You're reading your Bible, you're evaluating the world, and you are agreeing with the statements of God. Right. Not the other way around. God isn't in heaven going, oh man, I was going to let that one slide, but, you know, Dave said no. So I guess the answer is no. Mark that one down. Dave got this one. Who's sovereign? God or Dave? Yeah, that's God. That's God. (laughs) Is Dave the sovereign creator and ruler and sustainer of all creation? Mm -hmm. Now we get to heaven. I find out God's name is Dave. I'm going to be really upset. You know that, right? (laughs) Wow. Yeah. That would be a surprise. I'll have to spend some time in purgatory for that one. (laughs) If we as soon as we find purgatory in the Bible, I will worry about purgatory. I almost made Lou spit his coffee out all over the computer. That was worth it right there. just had a conversation with my in-laws about that but yeah that's too much fun yeah so i was actually doing some reading on that this week because um somebody pointed out that it wasn't the 95 theses of luther that really is the initiation of his being deemed a heretic by the pope it was actually and this is right it's three or was it two or four years later the um the uh the heidelberg heidelberg catechism the um (coughs) leipzig debate the Leipzig Disputation, where Eck debated with Luther and another guy whose name I can't remember. And, and Eck got him, got Luther to admit to his own theology, the way Luther was reading scripture. And that's what deemed Luther a heretic, was that at that debate, basically, Eck, because Eck was a great debater, he was the greatest of the, of the ecclesiastical debaters, okay. got, it, got cornered him in basically rejecting papal authority and holding to the rejecting of purgatory and rejecting to the, um, not the disputate, dispensations, mm-hmm. d- 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 rejecting purgatory, rejecting buying of dispensations, rejecting papal uh, grace and centering everything in scripture. Luther, when got when push was like, uh, yeah, you got to find me a Bible verse. And since you can't find me a Bible verse for purgatory, purgatory's out. That's basically what we're arguing for. Right. Come back to scripture and all of this. Yeah. All right. Then Jesus warns the disciples that they should tell no one that he was the Christ. If you ever wonder about why, it's actually relatively simple. One, nobody would believe it. Two, <laughs> it's not time yet. Right. The it's... revelation will be in the right time. Now, why do we tell you this story? Here we go. Oh, that's that's one way to put it. So before I do this, so hold on. I'm going to turn my mic a little bit because now I have to – I know you can't see this, but I have to slide over so I can actually face the computer screen and actually still make sense of this. So give myself a little kitty corner here so I can see Lou hey. and see the computer. Look at this. All right. There is an advertising campaign that is frightening in many respects. <clears throat> and if you, if you haven't had a chance to look at it, it's called He Gets Us. Now – what is He Gets Us? Well, let's give He Gets Us a chance to speak for themselves. Does that sound like a good idea? Yeah. So here's their about. This all started with a diverse group of people passionate about uh, passionate about the authentic Jesus of the Bible. All right, I have already got two red flags out of that sentence. Immediately. 
One, if you have to tell me how diverse you are, you're full of garbage. I don't care how diverse you are. I care how theologically correct you are. That's one. So anytime somebody starts touting their diversity, I stop listening. Two, the authentic Jesus of the Bible, as opposed to the fake Jesus of the Bible, the made-up Jesus of the Bible. Right. There's too many buzzwords here. Just too many buzzwords. But anyway, while much has been said about him, much is still misunderstood. I would agree with that statement. I would agree wholeheartedly with that statement. But we're confident that as people clearly understand, read, and learn for themselves about who Jesus is, they'll find wisdom, hope, and peace unlike any other offered. Okay. This is supposed to be an evangelism campaign. Now, do we want people to have wisdom, hope, and peace? Absolutely. Yes. But how do you get those things? Through faith in Christ. There we go. Yeah. Be assured. We are not left or right or a political organization of any kind. We're also not affiliated with any particular church or denomination, probably because none would have you. <laughs> we simply want everyone to understand the authentic Jesus as he's depicted in the Bible, the Jesus of radical forgiveness, compassion, and love. Why is everything got to be radical? Why can't anything just be simple? Yeah. I had, these, are, these, are, these are the questions that keep me out of the really good schools. Yeah, they, they have an agenda here. It wouldn't be hard to guess that we're led by Jesus' Jesus fans and followers. Fans and followers. Yeah. People who believe he was much more than just a good guy and a profound teacher. Just wait. And that Jesus is the Son of God who came to earth, died, and was resurrected, then returned to heaven and is alive today. Now, right there, I actually I, I appreciate that. Yeah. So we're not going to go with the good teacher thing. We're not going to go with the the cultural Jesus. We're going to go with biblical Jesus. This is this is a repentance and faith Jesus. I, I'm with you here. We have also we also have included many voices in our work here. That's never good. Welcoming diverse perspectives. That's not good. Backgrounds and experiences to help us address the many concerns and issues we all face. You don't need diverse perspectives, backgrounds, or experiences to help understand Scripture. You need a brain and a Bible. Be able to read in context. Yeah, yeah. and understand it. There you go. Mm -hmm. Our hope is that you see how Jesus experienced challenges and emotions just like we have. That worries me. We're, we're like this close to the Jesus is my boyfriend thing. Jesus had emotions too, guys. Come on. I don't, I don't care. I don't, I don't care. That's not relevant. Anyway. But is it hip and cool is the question. Ah, <laughs> uh, hip and cool. We want to provide a safe place to ask questions, including the tough ones. You don't need a safe space to ask questions. You know what you need? Jesus. You need a question. <laughs> you want to ask a question? You ask a question. You have a question, you should, ask, you should ask the question. If no one gives you the answer to that question, then you should go hunting down the answer with every fiber of your being. If it's that important, then it is that important, and you should do that work. Now, yeah, well, one of, the, one of the things that came to my mind, and, and a point of an agreement is that we, we do have a high priest who can th sympathize with our weaknesses because, like us, he was tempted, but he did not give in to that temptation. He, had not, he was without sin. And so, I they, mean— they, again, I get what they're going for here. Yeah. What they what this strikes me though, there's this thing. I don't even remember who coined this any longer, so I can't give them credit for it. They are what we call filing cabinet orthodox. Okay. So you want orthodoxy, you want right understandings of doctrine and belief, but too often what happens in churches is they the orthodoxy is in the filing cabinet. So you grab the statement of faith, you grab the what we teach page, and you go, ooh, yes, ooh, yes, and I like this, and I like that, and I like that. And you go, this aligns with scripture. What? And then you see what they do, and it's like, 
orthopraxy. Yeah. Yeah, the, 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 the thing you do over here doesn't actually line up with what you say you believe over there. And, and see, that becomes the problem. So they right. have filing cabinet orthodoxy. Got it. But if your orthodoxy is in the filing cabinet and not in the practice of your life, as you put, orthodoxy should always influence your orthopraxy. If it doesn't, then your orthodoxy is, is useless, basically. Right. I mean, utterly useless. So <clears throat> what you end up with, though, is people like to check the box that they're orthodox, but then do whatever they want. Yeah, yeah. In which case, we have knowledge, but we have not wisdom. And knowledge without wisdom is you know a bunch of stuff, and you can give me all the right answers, but you're not doing anything with it. One of our favorite Bible verses, this is Luke 6. Why do you call me Lord and not do what I say? (laughs) It's the equivalent of looking at Jesus and go, I'm in. Oh, you want me to do what? Uh, You know. Oh, you mean right now? You mean, yeah, like, like... (laughs) Let me go bury my dad. Let me go say goodbye to my family. Let me get, you know, there's, it's almost like there's Bible verses about these topics yeah. that are being ignored. So yeah, sure. he, here's why we say this. Let's have some fun. So I have a couple of questions up here, and then let me see. I will, uh, oh, they have gear. I, I, that's frightening. These people are wildly <coughs> popular. I mean. Yeah, they must be very well-funded. I want to be well-funded. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you're right. So what would you like? Um is this a campaign to get me to go to church? Jesus was fed up with politics too. Did Jesus face criticism or how did Jesus deal with injustice? So do you want justice, politics, criticism, or church? I'll start with church since we're All right. preaching from a church. This is from their website. Okay. Is this a campaign to get me to go to church? In bold capital letters, well not capital, but in bold letters, no. He gets us, simply invites all to consider the story of a man who created a radical love movement. Uh, yeah, yeah, I went through some of these articles. It was. Should I sing the Beatles or the B 52s? Yeah, the Beatles. I like the Beatles. All you need is love. Oh, boy. Love. I mean, see, we've talked about this. We've mentioned this numerous times. You can't have an understanding of Jesus' love mercy and grace unless you have an understanding of Jesus's wrath and judgment they go hand in hand Mm -hmm. what is he loving me and saving me and gracing me from (laughs) if there's no wrath and judgment then then you've got nothing and continue I'm sorry the radical love movement are there pills for that (laughs) yeah (laughs) that continues to impact the world thousands of years later there are many churches and Christian groups that can get that can help people who are spiritually open to understand more about who Jesus was and why his words are relevant today. In other words, no, we're not going to vet churches. We're just going to send you to wherever you like to go, as long as they believe in love. For some people, that inspiration might evoke curiosity about what Jesus taught. Some might even want to have a conversation with someone about spirituality or join a, or join a local class about the Christian faith at a local church. And so we offer those options, but that's not our mission. I mean, we hope to be the voice of a movement, a movement of people who have considered his story and found it deeply and personally transformational. For some, it has been a religious experience. For others, it's simply a call to strive to love others better. Then it's not Christian. Mm-hmm. On this rock, I will build my radical love movement. No, church. I'll build my church. And the gates of hell will not overcome it. Overcome what? The church. Mm -hmm. 
And yes, I know the church is made up of people, but the people make up a church. Mm. A church. If you're out there by yourself worshiping in your radical love movement, you're not in church. Mm. If you're just looking for a place to have coffee and discuss the love of Jesus, you're not in a church. If you never hear about judgment, you're not in a church. If there's no call to repent of your sins, you're not in a church. If there's no warning of the wrath of God against sin and how Christ is the salvation and rescue from that, you're not in a church. Hmm. And if you're not in a church, you are not where Jesus is building. You're just not. Hmm. So... Christ died for his church. I'm left without even words. Right. So there you go. See why I say filing cabinet only. All right. Politics, criticism, or justice? Justice. Justice. How did Jesus deal with injustice? There's a really slick black and white YouTube video that goes with it. No matter what we think of Christianity, most people can agree on one thing. During his lifetime, Jesus set a pretty good example of peace and love. And it's not like he had an easy life, man. It's not in there, but it needs to be. Jesus set a pretty good example of peace and love, man. Come on. Come on, man. Down with the patriarchy. It's peace Is and love. Is that before or after he turned over to the money exchangers and uh, you mean after whipped he people? The, well, it's both. It's before and after. <laughs> okay. Remember, he does it at the beginning of the ministry, and then yeah. he does it at the end of the ministry. Yeah. So it's bookended. Yeah. Was that after he called them sons of the devil? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Was that Whited after he, sepulchers? Yeah, yeah, whitewashed tombs, um, blind guides. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's, yeah, it's like, peace and love, man, peace and love. It's like Cheech and Chong Jesus sitting in a hippie van. Oh, these guys. Uh, he faced insurmountable controversy. That sentence doesn't even make sense. What is insurmountable controversy? Yeah. By definition, doesn't controversy mean people are arguing about something? Which doesn't that mean there are two sides to it, and that means someone is progressing in some shape, form, or fashion? Yeah, I guess. So like, just because you're arguing with someone doesn't mean you're incapable of doing anything, right? Right. Insurmountable controversy. That doesn't even make sense. Yeah, they're using big words. He was the target of unjustified hate. <clears throat> I would actually argue it was justified based on their worldview. I mean, I understand why the Pharisees hated Jesus. <clears throat> I understand why the priests hated Jesus. I understand why the Romans killed him. I understand. I understand all of it because they misunderstood who he was. Not that this is helping. Well, had they understood who he was, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Seems like that's written somewhere. So he was the target of unjustified hate. How did he stifle his outrage? (laughs) Sometimes he didn't. Yeah, yeah. Jesus channeled his anger in defense of others when it really mattered. When he saw opportunists taking advantage of the poor, he confronted them without hesitation. But he knew how to pick his battles. Once a group of men spit in Jesus' face, struck him, and slapped him, and yet he did not retaliate. See? So so much peace and love, man. So much peace and love. Hippie Jesus, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Living today, it's hard to imagine how he swallowed his rage. What are we, for? I'm serious. We've all noticed our blood boiling when politics come up in conversation. What Are you seven? Mm. You can't have a conversation with another adult who disagrees with you without getting angry? What's wrong with you? And we felt the temptation to lash out on social media. That one I'll give them. Social media is dumb. So I'll give them that one. It seems that every day we're faced with something new to fight about. 
and even though our anger is often justified, it's taken a toll on our ability to engage with one another. And honestly, it doesn't feel good. (laughs) (laughs) By telling this story, we remind ourselves that even when we're tested and trolled, we have the option of rising above. See, that's what Jesus did. He showed you how to rise above. You raise me up. I mean, oh my. I mean, what 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 is this? This is filing cabinet orthodoxy. Okay, criticism or politics? Oh, let's go with politics. <laughs> you knew you couldn't last for long. Jesus was fed up with politics too. Power to the people, man. Power, Power. to the people. Power to the people. Fight the man. In Jesus' time, communities were deeply divided by bitter differences in religious beliefs, political positions, income inequality, legal status, and ethnic differences. I like that. Legal status. Yes, the refugee problem of the Roman Empire. (laughs) Right. Okay, let's just cover this one because this will come up again in about a month. So when when the crazy liberal Christians, and I should use the word Christians in air quotes there, try to give you the, Jesus was a refugee, so you have to love refugees too. Okay. Jesus, Jesus's family traveled from Galilee, which was owned by who? Rome. Oh, at the time, yeah, Rome. Rome and they went to Judah, that. which was owned by who? Rome. Of and when they had to flee Judah, they went to Egypt, which was owned by Rome. <laughs> that's not a refugee. That's a relocation. For those of you in the United States, that's like saying, well, I was in Illinois, then I was in Wisconsin, and then I went to Wyoming, and then I went back to Illinois. That's what he did. There's no refugee. Not like they arrived in Egypt and be like, now what do we do? We have to get new money, and we have to make peace with the immigration officials, and, and we have to learn a new language. Lingua Franca was Greek. Mm-hmm. If you were a merchant in Macedonia, you could get on a boat Sail your butt to Egypt, get off the boat, and do business that day. In Greek. Yeah. You could speak Greek from basically Spain to Persia. They're trying trying to redefine things. So when that comes up, just just know it is dumb. What's the rule? Don't do dumb things, for sure. And that they haven't thought about this and they're manipulating you. So Jesus lived in the middle of a culture war, too. And though the political systems were different, not exactly a representative democracy— heathens Hmm. the greed hypocrisy and oppression different groups used to get their way used to get their way were very similar (sighs) we live in a constitutional republic not a democracy well it's a representative democracy don't let facts cloud anything (laughs) why start now (laughs) i mean i hear that term thrown around you know see in israel politics political and religious factions were one and the same back then it was pharisees and sadducees today we have conservatives and liberals and every libertarian is like what does that make us the essenes Mm -hmm. (laughs) good one what are the zealots black lives matter oh there you go (laughs) that's that's i like that one and the Alphabet Mafia. They're the zealots with the daggers under their cloak. That's, yeah. what they, that's why they carry those rainbow flags everywhere that's so they can hide the knives. <laughs> the Pharisees were the most religiously conservative leaders. They had the most influence among the common working poor, who were the majority. They believed that a king would come one day to conquer Rome with violence and free their nation. I like how they threw that in there. Conquer. You don't conquer anything without violence. That's for sure. When Jesus comes again, I got bad news for everybody. 
peace, love, and, and prophet hippie Jesus is is going to have some violence in that judgment, okay? Yeah. Casting people into an eternal lake of fire is not exactly a, a, a peaceful process. There's, there's going to be some weeping and gnashing of teeth involved. Oh, my goodness, yeah. So, all right. Shall we go to criticism then? There we go. Did Jesus face criticism? We live in an area of social trends and influencers who mold the cultural culture around us. If I could read, we'd be all set. Considerations about the impact of influencer voices greased the cogs in our minds and shifted our attention to one of the most famous influencers to ever live. Jesus is an influencer. Bet you didn't know that one. <laughs> He's just like a Kardashian, only better. Only better. <laughs> Oh my goodness, the Kardashians. We just... Jesus had a following, to say the least. People came to him from every quarter to hear about his extreme views on love. On love? Okay. The love shack. No. Oh no. <laughs> I mean, his extreme views on love. This is no different from the thousands of subscribers or followers that influencers boast on today's social media platforms. See, the disciples and that nitwit on YouTube clicking like, they're the same thing. Peter just walked around like with a thumbs up, man. Dude, I like that teaching. Let's repost it. And just like those influencers, his message was not without its distractors. They wanted him canceled. I can almost read this with a straight face. Almost. Studies indicate that 64, 64% of respondents believe that cancel culture is a direct threat to their freedom. For Jesus, cancel culture did not put his freedom at risk. It put his life at risk. However, such threats did not deter him from delivering his radical truth. See, he was living out his truth, man. This willingness to take a stand is a conviction that we wanted to permeate into the visuals for this topic. I don't even know what that means. Yeah, I know it. There was several things. They just. Oh. You ever seen? You ever watch In Living Color? Oh yeah. Do you remember the character Damon Wayans? If you don't know what I'm talking about, go look up this. I can't remember his name. Damon Wayans used to have a character on Living on In Living Color who was in prison, and had learned to read by one of those like correspondence tapes, and but he so he had learned like all these big words, but he didn't know what any of them meant. Oh, I can't so he would sit there at his prison cell and be like, "And the constipation of my imagination." Oh yeah, yeah. As yeah. it percolates in the fallopian tubes, and you're like, <laughs> and he would just run all these multi uh, these uh these polysyllabic words together, and it would make no sense. That's that that sentence is right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Funny. The, the um this willingness to take a stand is a conviction that we wanted to permeate into the visuals for this topic. So we wanted to show you something. That looked like we appreciated Jesus taking a stand. That, does, that That's just weird. We selected imagery that reflected the strain of standing up for your beliefs even when the masses aim to vanquish your voice. Vanquish your voice. A feeling that Jesus knew all too well. So yeah, have fun with that one, kids. Oh, did I click wrong? Okay, topics, yeah. Uh, I mean, Jesus invited everyone to sit at his table. What would Jesus think of teen moms? I have to click on that one now, don't yeah, I? Yeah, that was yeah. a good one, too. Yeah, oh, I think the next one's worse. What would Jesus think of teen moms? The story of Jesus' birth is told every year around Christmas. You knew they were going to go there. Yeah. And it's almost always told the same way. What new perspective could we bring to a 2,000-year-old story that would stir people's hearts and minds? None! None! none. Ask yeah. me. Ask me. I know the answer to that yeah. one. The answer is none. I don't want it. I don't want a new—I I want Bible. Anyway. 
Then it hit us. Oh, no. They were passing the crack pipe, and then they had the idea. Instead of looking directly at Jesus, what if we looked at the woman who gave birth to him? You search the scriptures because you think in these you have life, but it is these that testify about me. That's what Jesus said. So when you read your Bible and you go, look, look, we found Jesus, you did it wrong. No! Mm. You did it right! Mm -hmm. Like, we read our Bible and all we got out of it was Jesus. Then you got the right answer! But, but dude, come on, there was teen mom. <laughs> Jesus was born to a teenage girl, a girl who was scared and forced to travel far away from her home right before she gave birth. I missed the scared part. That's not in my Bible. Is that in your Bible? No, she was bold. A girl who was at the mercy of a man who could have publicly shamed her or even had her killed. But he didn't. He didn't even threaten it. She's not at the mercy of anything. She's at the mercy of anyone. It's God. God told you this was going to happen, but, you know, your husband might kill you. That's not a thing. That's, that's, is Joseph sovereign or is God sovereign? Oh, God is sovereign. Well, if you keep asking these questions. A girl who gave birth in a stable. I'm not even going there. Because she had nowhere else to go. She, her, Mary and Richard Gere. I ain't got no place else to go. Does that make Joseph Louis Gossett Jr.? Yeah, Yeah, does that make Joseph Louis Gossett Jr.? (laughs) <laughs> I like, don't know. <laughs> flat bill drill sergeant's cap, yeah, you know. I remember this. Was I remember Mary this having scene. to do planks when she gave birth? <laughs> oh my. <laughs> there is such a rich story there that gets lost in the neatly packaged nativity on some I, I okay, I'm no, I'm done. I'm done. I, I'm I'm tapping out on that one. No. Well, they're trying they're trying to equate Bible stories to issues of today. Is what I I gather from a lot of these articles. And I I like like you said, if if just preach Jesus, give him the gospel. It's it's hard to understand, but they're you know they're they're gaining a lot of views. So we're we're gonna ha- as a church we're gonna have to get back okay. to the basics and disciple people that. Last one. I haven't even read this one yet. Did Jesus struggle to be a good role model? <laughs> Christians believe Jesus lived a perfect life. For others, that's hard to believe. As we searched for themes to share, it became it is it, to share. It became it is apparent to us that doesn't make any sense that Jesus set a high bar for himself and others. Like it's way up there, man. He taught things such as love your enemies, forgive those who've intentionally wronged you, and don't judge others. Easy in theory, tougher in practice. Mm. We realize that it must not have been easy for him to practice what he preached. I thought they said they believed he was God in flesh. Yeah. When he was being mocked, surely he was tempted to belittle his persecutors. Yeah, because that's what you do. When he was betrayed by a close friend, he could have berated him publicly. So that the word of God may be fulfilled. Mm-hmm. Go and do what you do quickly. Ultimately, when he was being crucified, he didn't condemn his, his accusers or executioners. He forgave them. Aww. When we realized how hard it must have been, even for Jesus, we recognized that he faced similar pressure to be a good example as we do today. Okay. Why am I going through all of this? Okay, because we're gonna uh, we could do this all day, and so I encourage you have fun. Go dig through. So let me let me move my little microphone back over here, so I'm not tempted to click more buttons. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Why I found out about this because apparently the North American Mission Board of the Southern Baptist Convention actually partnered with this, which is frightening because anybody with a modicum of understanding of theology should have read all this and gone, "What are you people doing?" Yeah. yeah. So would you like to hear the disavowal? 
Yes. Because they got called out on this, and Name was like, uh, no, we didn't. <laughs> oh, I got to zoom in. Sorry. At Nam, it's all about the gospel. Nam's goal is, to, by the way, Nam is the is the acronym for North American Mission Board. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an it's um it's an abbreviation if it's if you can't say it. It's an acronym if you can say it like it's a word, right? Isn't that how that works? Oh, I don't know. So like FBI is an abbreviation, but NASA is an acronym. I think if I'm wrong on that, I, I, I every time I wonder about that, I look it up and then I can't ever remember. So Nam's goal is to equip churches with the resources necessary to reach North America with the gospel, to love those who do not know him, and to lead them to saving faith in Christ. That's a good goal. Given their diverse population of, given the diverse population of our continent, we're always looking for ways to reach every person in their unique context. Don't ever do that. Don't ever do. You reach them with scripture, with relevant resources that are true to the gospel. The He Gets Us campaign invited Nam to involve Southern Baptist churches along with several other uh, several other denominations <clears throat> interested in engaging people who have more questions and would like to con- connect with a local church. As this involved no Nam funding, see, 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 we didn't pay for it, we didn't pay for it. The ads and materials were provided by the campaign. I saw this as an opportunity to connect more people to our churches who have questions about Jesus. Knowing that these ads will be seen by millions of people, we hope to help Southern Baptists engage the opportunity from the conversations these ads will create. These ads aren't going to create conversations. They're going to create mockery and scorn. And anyone who would be moved by these ads is not going to settle in a Bible church anyway. Right. However, upon further consideration, the effort is too broad for us to directly connect with the campaign. In my desire to help our churches, see, see, I meant well, I did less diligence than I should have. You mean you like completely forgot to do your job? That's on me, and I apologize. Although Nam will not be involved, we will pray that the conversations begun by this campaign will lead to gospel-centered conversations and cause many to seek to learn more about Jesus. And then he signed his little letter. I, I point this out because... Um, you you just can't you just you, you this is you can't i mean the answer is no and you can't just surrender to stuff like this in the world and think everything is going to be okay why do i make the point like why do we care excuse me we care because this is supposed to be one of the gatekeepers this is supposed to be supposed to be one of the people that you're supposed to be able to trust to do their due diligence. When an organization that has a a what a, a an annual budget that is over a hundred a hundred million dollars a year, yes. you would expect that they would be able to look at this and go, yeah, no. But they didn't. Because at the end of the day, they're not doing the work. Meaning outside of Jesus, no one is coming to save you. Christian, your ministry begins at home and it starts with you. This is the world's presentation of Jesus. And the world's presentation of Jesus is infecting more and more churches and ministries day by day. You're going to have to do some work. If you're not in a good church, find one, find one now. If they're not preaching the Bible, find one who is and find it now. The world is not going to get better in their understandings. They are going to get darker. Oh, I agree. They're going to get worse. The Bible twisting is going to get deeper. And when all is said and done, they're going to look at you and be like, uh, why can't you just agree? Everybody else is agreeing. Why can't you just go along to get along? You have got to be prepared to rest upon Christ, his saving grace, the empowering of the Spirit, and the truth that is revealed in Scripture. If you're not, you will drift along with the world, and that's the danger. Christian, you can't live like that. You, you just can't. 
you need to be transformed. You need to be transformed daily and recognize that it is Christ and him crucified that holds us. It is the proclamation of his word that we use to change this world, not slick ad campaigns or advertising slogans or softening the message or making it relevant. It is Christ and him crucified. Did we miss anything? No, I don't think so. So what have we learned here today, children? Orthodoxy must influence orthopraxy. If it doesn't, you're doing it wrong. When our, pra- when our practice leads, disaster follows. Now, that's what you're seeing right here with this website. Yeah, yeah. They want how they are doing this to be the leader, the lead in the forefront, and that's never going to work. Our methods must be grounded in Scripture. They have to be. If they're not, we're doomed. We are yeah, absolutely, positively doomed. Now, warnings. We will not be here the next two weeks. And it's not Lou's fault this time. For once, I won't be here for a couple of weeks. So. <laughs> right. so I am going to be gone. We should be back, hopefully, before the holidays start and have some fun. There's some there's some lovely little things that I found on Twitter that we're going to dive into. Okay. And then some special fun things we're going to try to do for Christmas to have fun with because what else do you do at Christmas time but have fun with Christmas? Mm-hmm. Isn't that what it's for? Mm-hmm. So pay attention. The world isn't getting any better. And until we meet again, read your Bible. It'll do you good. Bye. Goodbye.